The Spin-Off Podcast Network. You're listening to Business is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business is Boring is brought to you by SparkLab, offering inspiration and practical advice to help businesses find their edge. To hear more about SparkLab, including details about the latest events, workshops, and business tools, visit sparklab.co.nz. And now, here's your host, Simon Pound. to Business is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business is Boring is made by The Spin-Off with help from Callahan Innovation. Here's your host, Simon Powell. Much of what we talk about in entrepreneurship in New Zealand comes to us from Silicon Valley. Whether it's the Lean Agile, the Series A, the Seed Round, the terms and actions come out of that place. So it makes a lot of sense that AUT, for their inaugural entrepreneur in residence, have brought to New Zealand a 30-year veteran and key figure in the valley. You might have heard of some of the firms he has founded, been on the board of, or invested in. Pandora Internet Radio is one of the better-known consumer brands, but there were a raft of other companies that pushed forward technology. He also set up Garage Ventures with Guy Kawasaki, the best-selling author of Apple Macintosh fame, who popularised their work together. Bill Reichert is in town for a series of events with AUT, and we've been lucky enough to grab him today to talk about the Valley, VC and entrepreneurship. Thank you very much for coming on the show today, Bill. Mm -hmm. Hey, thank you, Simon. Great to be here. Great to be in New Zealand. Hey, so tell me a little bit about the early career. Um, I see on your uh, resume there's McKinsey & Co., uh, Harvard, and Stanford. So a real kind of um, uh, establishment kind of first path to business. What led you to Silicon Valley? Well, what got me to Silicon Valley was the East Coast Coast weather. Basically, and uh, you know, after I graduated from Harvard, a buddy and I we got a panel van and we drove west until we hit the water. And I thought, wow, this California thing—that's pretty nice. And so, <laughs> that was when I sort of accidentally found McKinsey uh, and wound up uh, jumping into McKinsey, and I became one of their research analysts focused on doing the analytics for mergers and acquisitions in the LA office. And so, way back then, I was um, I was the guy running the spreadsheets. Uh, for mergers and acquisitions, and in that era, I I was actually using um, mini computers and timeshare computers, and so that got me to California. And then uh, I thought, wow, why would I go back east? And so I went to Stanford for graduate school. And uh, while I was at Stanford, I knew the PC was coming out, and uh, I made a comment to a VC that I happened to know that uh, there was no decent software for the PC. And he said, well, then um, why don't you start a company? And that was nowhere on my plans. I was figuring I was going to have to bite the bullet, go back east, be establishment east coast kind of you know, person. And then I had this opportunity and a buddy and I, we kind of put together this idea for creating an app development company for the PC. 
Uh, and uh, the VC just said, great, here's $600,000. I thought, boy, this, you know, this entrepreneur VC thing is not that hard. I don't know why. But, <laughs> <laughs> about. but um, you know, it's a little bit more the exception than the rule. But um, so I was extremely lucky in that. Though, it, as it turned out, that company, um, it actually took off spectacularly. It was amazing. It was just glorious. Um, and then uh, we went just a little bit too far. We kind of overpromised and underdelivered for one of our clients. And and we hit a wall. We crashed. We burned, flamed out. You know, it was, it was horrific. Um, and at that point, I had just uh, proposed to my uh, then fiancé. And I turned to her and I said, you know, I think... I think I've just lost more money than I'm ever going to make in my life. And so the good news is she actually married me anyway. <laughs> and, um, and the other good news is the great thing about Silicon Valley is when you crash and burn in Silicon Valley, you just pick yourself up and you dust yourself off and then you kind of spin the story a little bit and then <laughs> you do it again. Yeah. So I did it uh, three more times. Um, my second company, we took public. So that was great. I figured, you know, I got this entrepreneurship thing down. And so I took my winnings and went into a third company, which was this unbelievable eye-watering technology that um, we managed to drive into a brick wall at about 500 miles an hour. So, <laughs> so I learned a little humility. Um, and fortunately, I got another chance to do it again. And we took that company public and I decided, okay, that's good. That's great. I've done this entrepreneurship thing. And got together then with Guy Kawasaki and a few other people, and we started Garage, um, Garage Technology Ventures, with the idea of creating a different kind of venture firm. And our big idea back then was we wanted to create the first venture capital firm that was designed for the benefit of entrepreneurs. We thought that was a cheeky way of putting it. <laughs> and, after, after having been up and down uh, the famous roads uh, to, to ask for cash, exactly. and maybe it wasn't for the benefit of the entrepreneur. Exactly. So yes, I had been, you know, through the process as an entrepreneur and felt, and we both, we all felt that it was, um, it was a closed system. You know, it was kind of, it was kind of an old boys network mm. back then. Um, it's still somewhat closed but, but, to that, most entrepreneurs. Sorry, but that's ni that's 98, is it? That you kind of uh, go Garage, um, exactly. That's when we, we got together and launched Garage. If we could wind yeah. it back a little bit earlier, back to yeah. just just to, um, just into a couple of those early uh, sure. runs first. <laughs> I mean, you said um, very huh? very kind of um, modestly, you know. Well, you know, I, it happened. You know, the, we got six hundred thousand, and it was easy. Mm -hmm. But I mean, to be there at the birth of the PC uh, mm -hmm. and to have known the value of it because there's mm -hmm. those famous quotes like the the boss of IBM saying yeah. you know no one's going to need a computer in every room or whatever they are right. to, 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 right. to, to have been in the right place and actually seen that that was going to be an explosion what was it like in, in the valley in those days and was that an easy thing to know it was it was a pretty easy thing to know at the time because you know you're in the middle of a culture that really really wants a computer and, you know, so once you've had a taste of computing, you know, you just can't get enough of it in terms of what you can do with a computer if you haven't had a computer before. And so it was not really, um, yes, the famous story about, you know, we only need five computers or whatever. That was the. <laughs> um, but um, at that point, everybody I knew wanted a computer. Right. So and um, I, we had real, you know, we realized the value of computing at McKinsey. I mean, it was really painful. Um, you know, we had an Apple II, 
And it was useless you know, for doing any business computing. And uh, so everybody knew that you desperately needed this PC to do any serious business. And so that was the that was the sort of obvious thing that was sitting there. Now, having said that, having said that, most every entrepreneur will tell you when they had their epiphany about their big idea to them. It was, of course, obvious and it's not always obvious to everyone around them. So so it's hard for me to unwind my brain and suggest that um, it was wasn't obvious to everyone. But obviously it was obviously it was it was um, to the VC when he heard me say, gee, there's no good business compute computing software for the PC. He kind of said, boy, I guess he's right. And if uh, we don't do it, then who's going to do it? So and he said, why don't you do it? Huh? That's and coming at this from, um, you, you know, n- not being uh, not being American and not um, having spent mm-hmm. time uh, in Silicon Valley until very recently, the last kind of five years. Ah. Um, you, you know, in my head, I see it as being a little bit kind of rock and roll and a little bit um, uh, shambolic and a little bit exciting, kind of like halt and catch fire or something. Is that accurate? <laughs> Are these pop culture kind of things that we get accurate? I well yes yes and no it is it is um it's insanely chaotic in the sense that you know every cafe every every unused space gets turned into a co-working space you know everybody's talking entrepreneurship startups you know new technology and it's it's very interesting depending on which restaurant you're in if you're down in Santa Clara they're talking about semiconductors if you're up in San Francisco they're talking about apps but everybody's talking technology and that is something that you've noticed that's wildly different than anywhere else on the planet the entire culture of Silicon Valley is about the next big thing mm-hmm. it's all about sort of the next cool technology and how we can use it and how we can do it and how we can get out ahead of everybody else so that is the that is that is very much the vibe in Silicon Valley and it's really rare anyplace else on the planet that you get that intensity of that focus of everybody on that topic yeah, it kind of felt, I mean, I only went for the first time about five years ago and uh, there were billboards up for things that I thought were pretty um, obscure, pretty obscure. <laughs> yeah. and there's billboards up for New Relic and you know, like, oh, wow, that's, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah, but, but yeah. pretty interesting. And, and as you say, everyone has, um, everyone has an app, like how important <laughs> is it or an app idea? Like your, it's the place where your Uber driver pitches you just to practice their, their spiel. Um, how exactly. important is it to go there and be at the center of it? Because one of the things you're doing here is you're in New Zealand um, as a, a entrepreneur in residence for AUT, sharing some of that experience. Right. How much of it is it about physically being there though? Well, I, you don't have to physically be there in order to be a successful entrepreneur, and that's proven all over the planet, obviously. But, but because Silicon Valley is so iconic in the entrepreneur high tech space, I really do encourage you know entrepreneurs to get there and to have that experience, mainly because it will settle them down in terms of the perception that the you know the streets are paved with gold and you know all these college graduates are getting hundreds of thousands of dollars after you know one pitch of their idea and you know everybody's starting up a startup it is um, most entrepreneurs in silicon valley are struggling the same way that most entrepreneurs around the planet are struggling because it's you know so competitive out there and so it will give i think 
uh, Kiwi entrepreneurs a little bit of perspective to realize that it's not that easy even in Silicon Valley. Um, the other perspective that they need is that not every Silicon Valley entrepreneur is on this amazing inside track um, and that somehow New Zealand is off in the distance and we're on the outside track. You know, every everybody has, you know, more or less the same challenge of, you know, getting the attention of somebody who, who can fund them. The big difference, as I was you know, telling some entrepreneurs the other night, the big difference between Silicon Valley entrepreneurs and Kiwi entrepreneurs is the Silicon Valley entrepreneurs, they know all the lingo, they know all the names to drop, they know, you know, kind of how to sound like they're kind of with it and in it. And unfortunately, Kiwi entrepreneurs, they show up and they kind of feel like, you know, visitors and outsiders, and that just shows. You know, and, you know, Silicon Valley, we love visitors and we're nice to visitors and we embrace the visitors and we talk with visitors, but we don't fund visitors. And so, you know, the challenge for a Kiwi entrepreneur coming to Silicon Valley is to 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 show up as if you are part of the community, not as if you are a visitor. That's fascinating that you say we don't fund visitors, as that's something that uh, we do hear from Kiwi entrepreneurs, that um, they, they've had more luck with the kind of external arms of big venture capital mm-hmm. firms than the locals. And mm-hmm. on your garage website, it mm-hmm. says that you uh, fund people in the geography of Western California, like like you're that specific. Yeah. Why is that? Why, why that specific? Because when you're starting up a company, there's just a lot of things that can and do go wrong. And so every startup company has a series of crises they have to work through. And so investors like us who like to be actively involved with our companies, we're active investors, we take board seats and whatever, um, in order to stay in touch with what's going on and to be helpful, there has to be some degree of proximity. And so our rule is generally, you know, we want a board meeting to be a one-day turnaround flight if we can do that. So now having said that, we, you know, we've, we've invested in companies out of Israel and out of Boston and Chicago and Austin. We have invested beyond our geography. Um, but we, in, in all those cases, we want some uh, partner in the investment and or we want some close relationship with the entrepreneur because you need to have that open communication link. You need to have that active relationship in order to be effective in knowing what's going on and how to help and you know what to do next. Hmm. Let's look a little bit at, at your uh, investment fund. So um, mm-hmm. G- Garage, which you started in uh, 1998 um, with Guy Kawasaki, who is a very well-known person for mm-hmm. um, being attached to a number of things that your company um, has done with him, which is uh, the art of the start and right. that, that, that whole conference around getting people right. going. Exactly. Yeah. T- tell me a little bit about that kind of um, how, how did it go for you mm-hmm. launching to be an entrepreneur focused VC fund and have other people tried to catch up? Yeah. So um, as I said, we wanted to be focused on helping entrepreneurs. And so we wanted to be the most outreach oriented um, venture fund out there and share all of our experiences, you know, all of our scars and our mistakes and our failures, as well as our successes and what worked. And so we launched Garage on the back of one of Guy's books, Rules for Revolutionaries. And we put in place um, from day one and sort of what you would call event marketing, which was actually outreach and education for entrepreneurs. And originally, actually, originally we called it Bootcamp for Startups. Mm. So we launched this two-day conference called Bootcamp for Startups. 
And um, and actually, it was after 9-11, we decided to change the name from Boot Camp to Art of the Start. Um, it was, you know, for a whole bunch of somewhat obvious reasons. The, the vibe was better with Art of the Start. But the idea was to pull entrepreneurs together from wherever they were and give them access to these panelists. We would bring in all of our buddies, all of our VC buddies and our other entrepreneur buddies and some of our service provider buddies and corporate buddies to give entrepreneurs face-to-face -face access to the people who were on the, you know, sort of in, 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 on the inside in the community and do what I was saying before, give them a reality check around what works and what doesn't work. And hey, I'm not that much different from all these other people around me to hopefully boost their confidence and clarify their journey. So we took all those learnings from the first several years of Garage and Guy spun them up into The Art of the Start, the book. Um, and that wound up being sort of an even better uh, outreach program for us to reach out globally to the entrepreneur community. The, the name of the company, Garage, which... Yes. Um, I, I imagine is about kind of that kind of foundation myth that you find in a lot of, um, you, you know, your Apple, your Microsoft, uh, and also in New Zealand, we have the same foundation myth for the mm -hmm. entrepreneur or the innovator, um, or it was here until recently, the inventor in the garage. Yes. Um, how, uh -huh. how important is that? And do you see those kind of commonalities between New Zealand and that Silicon Valley way of thinking? Well, I think the commonality is the commonality is is common to the entrepreneur mindset, which is to be to be a problem solver uh, and to be scrappy. So um, that that was that's always been kind of what we saw as the characteristics of the best entrepreneurs. But yes, the garage uh, is famous in Silicon Valley for actually the foundational location of Hewlett Packard. Mm. So Hewlett Packard started out in a garage in Palo Alto, and that was our that was our logo. There, a photo of that garage was our logo initially, and then um, and then we got a um, we got a, a note from Carly Fiorina, who was the CEO at the time, and she said, "You know, your logo, ah, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's." And so we had to make it a more abstract garage um, instead. But the, you know, yes, as a foundational myth of the of the scrappy entrepreneur who isn't wasting money on, you know, sort of their fancy surroundings. Instead, they're focused on, you know, building something that's going to change the world. And do you, do you see, I mean, you've been here for uh, yeah. a little while now and you've got a little while to go. Um, mm -hmm. what, what, you know, and, and you decided to come down here, which is mm -hmm. not a trivial thing from, mm -hmm. uh, from <laughs> lovely warm California. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, have, you, have you found that here? Do you see that here? Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, the, it is interesting, you know, the, the big overlap is that, um, you know, that Kiwis are known to be good problem solvers. And, you know, there is this sort of cultural heritage here of, you know, the number eight wire and we can do with and make, you know, things work um, without having necessarily all the money in the world to go buy the stuff that we want to buy. Um, so that scrappy problem solving mentality seems to be a core part of um, of the sort of Kiwi culture. So now the world has changed a lot since, you know, since then. 
And now you have these, um, all of these programs now around the world, uh, including here, where you've got these very nice co-working spaces and you've got all this nice support, and which is brilliant. I mean, it's a brilliant thing for, for entrepreneurs who want to try to be entrepreneurs. Um, you know, good news, bad news. The, uh, the bad news, believe it or not, is that it, it, makes it, it makes it so easy to start a company. I mean, in the olden days, you know, myself being the exception, not the rule, you had to make a serious commitment, you know, if you were going to just get off the fast track and start a, start a company. Um, you know, here it's just so much smoother, easier, softer to start up a company. And so we see in Silicon Valley... Um, in Silicon Valley, you just you have all of these, um, uh, you know, people who they don't have anything better to do, and so they jump into a co-working space and figure out I'm going to start a company. You know, we call them entrepreneurs, um, and um, I, you know, I'm God bless them. I think um, you know, in some cases, good things will happen. Uh, and in any case, it should be a useful education, but it does it does crowd up the um, the um, the environment. So we're looking, you know, we're looking for we're looking for that entrepreneur that will really just stand out from the crowd, um, and that's a bit, that's an increasingly a challenge in the sense that there's so many in the crowd, it's just that much harder to stand out. Um, and so that's my biggest advice to entrepreneurs here and everywhere is you got to figure out what you've got that really makes you stand out. Yeah, I saw that you um, have written about that as the wow moment. And uh, is, that part of, is that part of what you're doing here in New Zealand? And how can people, uh, how can people come along and um, talk to you or listen or, or be part of what you're up to here? Yeah. So what I encourage entrepreneurs is, for the most part, ignore what all the pitch coaches are telling you that most of the pitch coaching is not really pitch coaching, it's presentation coaching. And rarely do you have a chance to present. So yes, there are pitch days, which are presentations, but there you are amongst, you know, again, all the crowd, and it's hard to stand out. Pitching, pitching is all about encapsulating the essence of your compelling value proposition. And most entrepreneurs, they're so wrapped up in their product. You know, whenever they approach me, mainly what they do is they like to talk about their product. And what I want to know is what is it about their product that delivers extraordinary value to their customers, that makes their customers fall in love, that changes the life of their customers such that they can't live without that product. That's the value proposition. And it's gotta be extraordinarily compelling for you to stand out from the crowd. So that's something you should be able to articulate in like 20 seconds. You don't need, you know, two minutes or six minutes or 20 minutes to make it clear what your compelling value proposition is. And so one of the things that I point out to entrepreneurs is if you think about your day, your life, your experience, most of the time you only have 20 seconds to grab someone's attention, you know, whether it's in an email or if it's at a trade show or if it's at a coffee or meetup or whatever it is, you really only have 20 seconds to get permission to get that follow-up meeting or send them your deck or talk even longer. So you really got to figure out how to get them to say, 
wow, that's really interesting. I want to find out more. Can you send me or can you come in? You know, how are you going to get the person you're talking to to say, wow, that's really interesting. So that's that's what I try to convey to entrepreneurs is one of the single most important keys to their communication success. That's so cool. And what, what events have you got coming up in the next couple of weeks in Auckland? So I have a whole bunch of things coming up, but um, uh, <laughs> my calendar has been filled. But um, near term, on the morning of the 25th, I'm running a master class at, at AUT on the art of scaling up your startup. Um, and that's a whole nother topic is the difference between a startup and a scale up. And I'm going to be talking about that on the 25th, the morning of the 25th. And then on June 1st, I'm doing a Project 17 keynote that evening on June 1st talking about 21st century entrepreneurship and how the ecosystem of innovation has shifted over just the last 10 years or so and talk about how the shifts in the nature of innovation affect entrepreneurs and investors and corporates and policymakers, but with a focus on, on entrepreneurs. And then in between, I'm going to do some brown bag lunches and some various, I'm going to do a Facebook live event and I'm going to meet with some entrepreneurs and I'm going to go down to uh, the grid and do a biz, jo biz dojo thing and what else? Am I? I'm doing a lot of things. So, right, so, get, get, <laughs> so. Get, get involved. Well, thank you so much for coming to chat to us, Bill Riker. It's um, been a real pleasure. My great pleasure. Um, and to all entrepreneurs out there, kia kaha. <laughs> and may the force be with you. So. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you very much to Madeline Chapman for producing. And thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to Business is Boring, presented by Simon Pound. And brought to you by The Spin-Off and Callahan Innovation. From The Spin-Off Podcast Network, that was Business is Boring, brought to you by SparkLab. Make sure you're following Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information on SparkLab, visit sparklab.co.nz. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited, and of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. The Spin Off Podcast Network.